Well, um, maybe we'll just pray and go home here because my sermon's already been preached. Um, so it's good, right, to celebrate in the house of the Lord. Anyone sense what the theme the Lord's been speaking this morning or even over the last few weeks? You can talk this morning. Right. Did you speak in that? Absolutely. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Yeah. Yes, and gratitude and praise. It's yeah. It's just that time of season, but yet I don't think it has necessarily to do with the season that we're in of Thanksgiving and and even coming into the holidays. It's just that the Lord is is really wanting to teach us gratitude to to celebrate the goodness of the Lord and. You know, there's things going on around us all the time that are good and, and, and you would say bad or evil or whatever, but that we would choose to celebrate the goodness of the Lord no matter what is happening. And so what I want to talk about this morning, and, and I want to maybe change this up a little bit, make it a little more interactive, maybe make it more like a, a Bible study, preaching, sermon type thing. Um, so you can, you can talk, we're going to get into the Word a little bit. And, and all that. Everyone have a Bible this morning or access to a Bible? Because we're, we're going to read Psalm 103 here in just a minute. And so it will come up on the screen, but it would be good if you, if you could see the full text um, in some capacity. I think we have a few in the back um, if you need one. I don't know if anybody need a, a Bible this morning. You can just raise your hand. Craig will get you one. But, um, you know, two weeks ago I talked on gratitude and, and really talking about gratitude in view of, of what God has done for us, in view of God's mercy, the grace that God has shown to me and to you and to everyone. There's, there's a gratitude that we should have in our heart, and the overflow of that really should be a grace and a mercy that we extend to other people as well. And, and I was really giving us a challenge of what would it look like over the next three weeks for us to kind of look at, at the good in people, that we would extend grace and mercy to people around us. What, what would that do for us? What would it do for our own hearts instead of looking at the negative or looking at what we could nitpick or grumble about, look at what we can praise God about, that, hey, this person, even though they may be bossy, they do display some leadership, you know, finding that in some ways. And not, not necessarily faking it in any way, but just having that. And then Michael talked last week, more from the view of gratitude towards God, in view of what God has done. What can we be thankful for? What can we praise His name for? What has He done for us? Who has He put around us? And so really gratitude from two different sides, but yet very much overlapping as well. And so this morning what I want to talk about is celebrating. The discipline of celebration. And, you know, we celebrate a lot of things in our lives, right? Any, anyone want to name some things that we celebrate? Birthdays, Birthdays yes. Anniversaries. Anniversaries. What did you say? Weddings. 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 Graduation. Births. Even death we celebrate when we celebrate someone's life. We celebrate promotions. Someone said work. We celebrate getting a new job. We celebrate promotions. We celebrate when they decide to leave and they retire. There's all these different types of celebrations that we have in our lives. And, you know, wedding is a celebration followed with a reception. And then every year you celebrate. But it's interesting when you think about, like, wedding celebrations, 
usually the husband and wife, they have different views of what celebration is. You know, for one, it may be going to dinner and seeing a movie where the other one might say, well, let's just stay home and, and catch something on TV and go to bed early, that type of thing. So we all have these different ideas of what celebration is. And it's okay that we would celebrate the Lord differently um, and, and that we wouldn't necessarily have one way that we celebrate, but we would celebrate the Lord. But yet, I think sometimes as, as believers, we don't celebrate the Lord like we should. We don't always look at God and say, okay, this is who God is. We've talked about identity, remembering who we are in God's eyes, who God is in, in, of who He is Himself and His character. We don't always celebrate who God is, what He's doing, what He has done, and what He's going to do. So we just get so focused sometimes on what He hasn't done or the prayer He hasn't answered or why He's not moving or why the situation is so difficult instead of stopping and remembering, hey, God's working and God's moving. Let me just celebrate for a moment that His love endures forever, that His goodness endures forever, that He is all-knowing, that He is almighty. What would it look like if, if we were just a little bit more intentional to celebrate the goodness of the Lord, to dance, to shout, to do whatever you do in terms of celebrating? It may be dancing, it may be shouting, it may be neither of those things. It may be your hands in your pocket just praising Him under your breath. It's a form of celebration. This morning, I want us to look at um, Psalm 103 as, as we kind of get into the text here a little bit. But I also want to encourage us to be men and women who celebrate, that we would have this discipline of celebration. Richard Foster wrote this book called The, um, the, Cele- the what was it called? The Discipline of Celebration. Is that right? Celebration, celebration of Discipline. I was just making sure you're listening. All right. Anyone read that book? It's like from the 70s or 60s or 80s. It's a long, long time ago. And, and it talks about these, these principles for spiritual formation, really spiritual growth, prayer, the discipline of prayer, the discipline of studying the Bible, the discipline of fasting, the discipline of giving and serving, how all these things allow us to grow and be transformed more into the image of God. But his last chapter, I believe, talks about celebration, the discipline of celebrating the goodness of the Lord and that we need to continue to celebrate God in so many ways and so many different avenues. But yet, as I already said, a lot of times as believers, we don't celebrate. Maybe it's because we have so many celebrations already. We celebrate birthdays and work and anniversaries and different things. Or maybe we separate it out sometimes, that, that God, we are to worship you, not necessarily to, to celebrate you. Or, or God, this part of my life doesn't, doesn't overlap or is not incorporated into you. I don't necessarily know why, but a lot of times, I think it has to do with, with happiness versus joy. Talked about it a little bit last week. I think happiness and joy came up. Happiness to me is more of this, this feeling, this external thing. Now, you'll find scriptures that, that talk about happiness, and I believe it's used as, as a synonym to joy in many cases. Happiness is more of a, an emotion, something that, hey, I'm happy about this, and we celebrate. We celebrate that God answered the prayer. We celebrate that God gave the money to pay the bill. But what about the other times That's where joy comes in. Joy to me is more of a state of mind and an orientation of the heart. It's a state of mind that says, God, I know you're good. I know your love endures forever. But it's also an orientation of the heart to God and not to something else. And there's a difference there. St. Augustine said this. He said, a Christian should be in hallelujah from head to toe. And I was thinking about that, a hallelujah from head to toe, implying it should be all the time, that from head to toe, overflowing, we should be giving praise and and giving a hallelujah to him in all and each situations. 
Richard Foster, in, 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 in the book that I just, I uh, can't remember the title of, The Discipline of Celebration, <laughs> he said this, he said, joy is acquainted with happiness as much as it is with suffering, sorrow, and pain. Joy is associated with happiness as much as it is with joy, or not joy, suffering and pain and sorrow. He also goes on to say joy is the result of the abundant life Jesus promised. You think about that abundant life Jesus promises in John 10.10. It's not an easy life that he promises, but it's an abundant life that has fruit, that has the, the gifts of the Spirit being displayed because God has taken us through the fire, because God has allowed us to, to, to face challenge, to face trial, to face suffering, but also to see victory in all of it as well. He goes on to say joy is, is, is as a result of this abundant life, is something that's taken root inside of us that helps us to overcome the ingrained habit patterns of our lives. It's allowing us to say, God, in each and every situation, I've found contentment. It's a state of mind towards God. It's an orientation of the heart towards God as well. Psalm 103, let's, let's read Psalm 103 together this morning. David writes this psalm. We don't know at what point in his life that he's writing this. It, it may be in a, in a great time of his life. It may not be in such a great time of his life. But we know David was always full of the joy of the Lord and celebrating God. But he says this. He says, My soul praise God and all that is within me. Praise His holy name. My soul praise the Lord and do not forget all His benefits. If you just want to do a study on this psalm, you could stay in verse 2 for a long time. You could stay right here on all his benefits. So what are some of the benefits of the Lord, would you say? Peace. Peace. Love. Love. Joy. Salvation. Salvation. Companionship. Companionship. Other things that you say are the benefits of the Lord? Healing. You guys are deep. <laughs> there was something else. Identity. Identity. Yeah. He supplies. He supplies. Yeah. There's a lot of benefits of the Lord if we think about it. Verse 3, He forgives all your sin. Is that worth celebrating? Isn't that worth celebrating? Yeah. Anybody sin on the way to church this morning? No, I shouldn't ask that question, right? <laughs> think about it. Think about it. He forgives all our sins. Even when we're gathered together, sometimes our mind wanders and we say, man, not this song again or, or not that person again. or You know, let's just be real. Our mind wanders. But He forgives all of our sin. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. Now, maybe this week wasn't as tough as some weeks, but I know celebrating holidays can, can be difficult for some people, Thanksgiving, Christmas. But take your normal week, say two weeks ago. Anyone have a bad week? Anyone have a tough week? Maybe work's a little bit tough. Maybe a relationship's a little bit tough. Maybe you've prayed and you're like, God, you haven't answered my prayer. I've been praying this prayer for a long time. Or you're getting into the Word and it's just kind of, man, I've read this. It just seems like it just, there's a dryness that is there. You, maybe you begin to question God and you come across something like this, verse 3. He forgives all your sin. He heals all your diseases. What's your response to that? Thank you, God. Close your Bible. 
go about your day? Or do you celebrate? Do you say, God, thank you. You've forgiven me of all my sin. You've healed me of all my sin. You redeemed my life from the, my life from the pit. You crowned me. Anyone ever put that crown on? It's part of celebrating. Again, we all celebrate different. You crown me with your faithful love and compassion. You satisfy, or he satisfies us, you, with goodness. Your youth is renewed like you. Even when they're youth renewed, that's something to celebrate, right? Everyone just get into the word like this and just begin to read and just begin to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, rich in faithful love. Another things we can celebrate. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sin deserve or our sins deserve, or repaid us according to our offenses. Anyone question God's goodness? That He's moving too slow, or He's not moving in the right time? Or maybe my sin is so big that that He can't forgive it, or I'm not worthy to come to Him. But He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's rich in faithful love. He's not dealt with us as our sins deserve. We should be celebrating we should be dancing down the aisles. We should be shouting. We should be doing backflips, raising our hands, however we celebrate. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes. And its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear him and his righteousness, towards the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, all his angels of great strength who do his word, obedient to his command. Praise the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, in all the places where he rules. My soul, praise God. Hallelujah. Man, what richness we find just in one little psalm. And, and I know a lot of people argue this is, this is the, the ultimate praise psalm of all the psalms, but you find this throughout the Word of God, that we have a God that we can celebrate, that we have a God that we can celebrate. We have a God who is for us and not against us. And there's times when people have grumbled and complained, and it hasn't brought glory to God. Think about the Israelites, grumbling and complaining, say, God, I know you brought us out. God, I know you provide this stuff for us every day, provision and food but yet we want more. But yet, what would happen if they just stopped and gave praise to God and celebrated His goodness? It would begin to change their hearts. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Paul writes to the Philippians in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He just says, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. Or again, I say rejoice. He goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
See, celebration, I think, brings forth joy. And as joy comes forth, it allows us to persevere. And as we persevere, God works. God does something. And as he does something, rejoice comes forth. Rejoicing comes forth. And Nehemiah, as, as I already mentioned, he says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's about contentment. It's about coming before God and understanding that we have this confidence and this hope that what he's doing, he's doing for a reason and for a purpose. It's knowing that we know that God is good. It's knowing that we know that he's mighty. It's knowing that we know that he's for us and not against us. You know, Paul writes this as an imperative, as a command. It's not an option. Hey, rejoice if you want to. Rejoice if you feel like it. He's saying you have to rejoice. Where's Paul writing Philippians from? He's writing it from jail. Isn't that amazing? It's convicting if you think about it. Here he is in prison. And and I know he had some leeway within that, that that he had some favor, and we don't know exactly if he was in a prison cell chained up beside the guards, but at times he was. But yet, whatever it is, he's in captivity. And he's saying, rejoice to the Philippians. He's saying this to all the churches, rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. Be anxious about nothing but through prayer and petition. He doesn't know what his life holds tomorrow or the next day or the day after. He may be executed. He, he may be released. He doesn't know. But he's saying rejoice. Today I'm going to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Paul's in prison the first time. Well, he's not in Philippi, uh, Philippi when he's in prison here. But when he goes to Philippi the first time, he's, he's a, accused of a crime. He's beaten as a Roman citizen, thrown in jail. And I've talked about this in the past. I know what I would be doing at that point. I would be grumbling and complaining. I'd be talking about how I was not treated fairly. But yet we find that Paul is singing songs of praise, giving glory to God. And God moves in those moments. Celebrating the goodness of the Lord. Where are you in your life now? I think think for most of us, we're we're probably facing something of a challenge or a giant or going through a valley or a cave. There's something that's there. Are we choosing to celebrate in those moments? Or are we choosing to grumble and complain and, and, and tell the Lord, remind the Lord what He hasn't done instead of celebrating who He is and what He's doing, even though we may not see it? What we learn, I believe, in Philippians here, and, and, and not, it's not the main takeaway, but it's one of the takeaways, is that if we're going to focus our attention on the excellent things of God, these are all acts of our will. These are all choices that we make. If we're going to focus, it doesn't just happen. It's something we have to choose to do. That's why we have the discipline of celebration, just like we have the discipline of prayer, the discipline of studying the Word, the discipline of fasting. It requires us to make those intentional choices to celebrate. The Hebrew writer says that in in chapter 13, verse 15, it says, Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, continually offering this up. That is the fruit of our lips that confess his name. I shared this at the end of of Michael's sermon last week, that, that in the Old Testament, there were two sacrifices given every day. There was the morning sacrifice and there was the evening sacrifice. The morning done about nine in the morning and the evening, you know, it's a little misleading, was done about three in the afternoon. It was the beginning of the sacrifice. These were done every day as Exodus 29, 38 and 39 shows. It says, this is what you're to do. Yeah, this is what you are to offer regularly on the altar every day. Two one-year-old lambs, 
in the morning offer one lamb and at twilight offer the other lamb. Basically, it was to remind Israel their dependence upon God. For Israel to come and offer this lamb at the temple, or not necessarily at the, at the temple building, but, but where the tent of meeting was at the time, to come and offer this, to, to remember the goodness of the Lord, to worship Him, to celebrate Him, to be reminded of their dependence upon Him. They would do it in the morning and they would do it in the evening. They didn't even think about it. It wasn't even something that was optional. They just did it. It was just something, if you were born, it's something you did from the day you were born. When you went to the temple, you went to the place and you offered up sacrifice as a reminder of your dependence upon the Lord. In the New Testament, we find that we're priests, that God says that, that we're, we are part of the priesthood, Amen. that we are to offer in the same way praise and, and honor and glory and celebrate to Him on a regular basis. Sometimes we have to start by being intentional, maybe two times a day, maybe in the morning. What does it look like for you to get out of bed? What do you do when you get out of bed? Maybe we don't want to know. What do you do? You know, do you already feel the anxiety of the day ahead of you? Do you want to crawl back into bed? Are you, there's other things that come forward. What would it look like if, if we say, Lord, this morning I just want to say I love you. This morning I adore you. Maybe you dance towards the bathroom. Maybe you're already dancing towards the bathroom. I don't know. You worship and, and I desire your will today in my life. Lord, I want to give you joy as I pass through everything I pass through today. No matter what it may be, help me to give joy to you, to give praise to you, to give honor to you. May my life be honoring and, and, and worshiping to you today, starting in the morning. What will it look like in the evening as, as you begin to wind down to do something very similar, to say, Lord, thank you for this day. Hopefully it's been a great offering to you. Maybe my life has, has honored and glorified your name. Lord, I praise you. I thank you. Lord, I honor you for who you are, that your love endures forever. What would it look like if we began to do that more and more and more? I think before long, it'd be so ingrained in us as a habit, as a discipline, that it would just flow out of us all the time. In the car, as we walk into work, as things happen at work, as we drop the, the glass or the coffee pot or whatever it may be, that we would offer praise and celebration to God because the joy of the Lord would be so inside of us that it would just flow forth. Psalm 126, verse 3. It's a psalm that, that Israel sung as, as they came back from Babylon, as they came back from captivity, just remembering what the Lord has done. Verse 3 says, The Lord has done great things for us. We were joyful as the past tense. The New Living Translation I like better. It says, yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy, what joy is there in what the Lord has done for us? If we sit and we think about it, Lord, you have done this and this and this, and you're doing this right now. And in the future, you're going to continue to work. You're going to continue to move. You're going to continue to do great things for me and for corporately for the church for the nation of Israel, for us as the church. is a choice we must make to begin to celebrate. It's not in our nature to celebrate, probably. Our nature is more to complain. It's more to grumble. It's more to be selfish. It's more to, to be, woe's me, I don't have this, I don't have that. But if we begin to change our hearts, the orientation of our heart and the state of our mind towards the Lord and begin to celebrate to celebrate those little things, to celebrate the medium things, to celebrate the big things. 
The discipline of celebration is important for our spiritual growth, for our spiritual formation. I believe there's a celebration that takes place within individuals already, but I want to encourage you to celebrate more, to celebrate more and more and more before the Lord. It would change your life. It would change all of our lives. It would change this church. It it would do amazing things as the joy of the Lord flows out of us. The song we sang, I can't remember if it was the one you did about the overflow, a forgiven person. Is that that what it was? Do we still have those words? Gary, did we get rid of those words? It's the overflow of a forgiven soul. And now we've seen you, God, our hearts cannot stay silent. It's the overflow of realizing what God has done for us. The bigger picture is not that he hasn't answered a prayer, not that he hasn't opened the door. It's that he's forgiven us. A forgiven soul who dances before the Lord, just as David danced before the Lord, didn't care what people thought because he had that relationship with God and he knew there was nothing greater than celebrating his God. There's nothing greater for us than to celebrate the Lord and what the Lord has done. So Lord, I pray as we close here, that a heart of celebration will be deep, deep inside of us. Lord, may we celebrate who you are, what you're doing, what you've done, and what you will continue to do, Lord. Lord, I pray that if we have complaining hearts, if we look at the glass half empty versus half full, Lord, if if that is our nature, that you just take that out and begin to put in a heart of celebration, Lord. I pray for all of us to have that heart of celebration, that we celebrate who you are. Just as I think Craig said during the exhortation moment, Lord, that there's breath in our lungs, that, that, that we're able to walk, that we're able to, to do things, Lord, and we thank you for that. May we continue to celebrate. May gratitude fill our hearts, Lord. May we stop, just, not just during this week of Thanksgiving and give thanks. May we stop every day, throughout the day, and give thanks to you and to celebrate your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you redeem our lives from the pit of hell. Lord, thank you that that you've forgiven our many, many sins. Thank you that you heal our diseases. Thank you that your love endures forever. Thank you, Lord, that you call us sons and daughters. Thank you that you know the number of hairs on our head. Thank you that you've given each and every one of us a purpose and a calling. Thank you that you've given us gifts, that you empower us, Holy Spirit, from head to toe to overflowing. Lord, I pray that the joy of you, the joy of the Lord will be our strength. Lord, I pray just for a freshness of that in all of our lives. A joy that overflows. A joy that learns to be content and confident and hopeful no matter the situation. We celebrate victory and we celebrate challenge, Lord. And we thank you Jesus' name.